Come on, give her a hand. Hey, good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning on this, uh, fall's here, and that's a good thing, because fall's full of good things, but it's good to be together in God's house, amen? And I get to get us preach and uh, share the word, and uh, it's just, it's good. So, um, Mackenzie, good job, wherever you're at. Um, we're excited for everything God's doing. If you weren't here last week, we had a guest speaker, his name was Mark. A uh, good friend of ours, and he's just uh, brought an incredible word for us. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to it um, because it was just tracking with what I believe God is saying to our house. So um, if you consider this your church home, I encourage you to, to listen to it. Uh, secondly, before I get into the message, I want to pray just for a couple people. Number one, we've got a women's retreat going on right now. We've got a, uh, about 15 ladies from this church and many of their families one of the cool things about the retreat is they do some special touches, and so many of the families of the ladies that went on the retreat uh, drove over there to a church in Wenatchee, and they are taking place. And so we've got um, a group over from Generation of Hope in, in like Wenatchee area, and just believing that God has met the ladies that went on the retreat. And there's something about retreats that we have an opportunity, not just to have a good time and not have to take care of your kids for a couple days, um, but retreats are cool because you, the whole environment is designed to let people encounter the presence of God. And so we're believing that God did that in our ladies and believe that they'll come back changed. Amen? amen? Just don't say amen too loud if your wife is there and you're not, right? You know what I'm saying? But let's pray for them and... Uh, and just for what God wants to do this morning. So bow your heads with me. Jesus, we thank you for today. God, thank you for everything that you want to do. Father, I continue just to um, say yes to the miracles that you want to do in our hearts. Um, say yes to the miracles. God, you know um, every situation, Father, and every hand that was raised earlier. Um, God, you know the circumstance and the situation. And so we just continue to say, God, would you do what only you could do in lives um, in finances and marriages. Um, Father, you know the situations. God, would you, we release you to do what you want to do in our hearts. Um, God, thank you for our wives and the, the ladies of this church that spent the last three and a half days in your presence. And God, I pray that a major life change would happen in them. God, that they all would encounter you in a new and a real and an intimate way. Father, we know that you are rearranging destinies. Father, that you are speaking for things and do their spirits. And Father, we just pray that those seas would be guarded and that you would, um, just out of this retreat, that there would be lasting fruit um, that would benefit your kingdom and your purposes. Um, God, thank you this morning for what you want to do in us. God, we just uh, submit our hearts to you. God, we open our ears to you. Father, would you speak to us because we want to listen, Father, and we want to be a part of what you're doing um, in this region, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. Um, God, thank you for just allowing us to come together and to be a part of what you are building. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pretty, we're going to start a series today that I'm pretty excited about for the next, uh, I don't know, six or seven weeks. And uh, so I get to kick it off. And I probably say it every time I preach, but for sure, every time I start a series, I probably say something like, I'm really excited to speak about this. Okay, so that might be redundant. And if I ever come to you and say, I'm not really excited to speak about this, um, that'd be really weird. I probably won't ever do that. 
So just have grace for me when I say I'm excited. I'm probably a little pumped up this morning. And so that means you just get to pull it out of me. And that means that we just get to agree and be a part of what God's doing. Amen? Okay, so we're going to go. We're, uh, we're super excited. We're going to start a series that we're entitling The House That God Is Building. Okay, The House That God Is Building. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a, it's a human race thing or uh, for sure it's a guy thing. But whenever you start talking about the word building, guys get pretty, pretty excited, right? I mean, all you guys are now thinking about the different things that you've built, whether it's a Lego um, creation or whether it's a house or whether it's um, the swing set that you order from Costco that comes in 18,000 pieces and your job is to build it, right? First of all, decipher. And, and when I think about building, I, th I think about three different types. And I'm thinking about a swing set or a big play thing for my kids. You've got three different types of builders out there. Um, you've got the first type of builder. And you don't need to raise your hands to identify which type you are. But you've got the first type of builder whose motto is, why do it yourself when someone else can do it? Right? The guy, and that also means you probably have the pocketbook to have someone else do that. So you've got that type, and, and I can't really speak to you because that's, that's not the type I am. And then you've got the second type, and if you are, God bless you, and uh, keep it up. Don't put people out of work. Um, keep them busy. Woohoo! right? But the second type, and, and, and this may be false, you've got the guys that I would call them the instructions what type. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many guys are the instructions what type? None? Come on, the guys that open the box and the last thing they look at is the instructions. You know what I'm saying? And they start putting things together. Oh, this looks like it should be that. This looks like it should be that. And some of you should do that. Some of you, you just shouldn't, right? Because when I do that, I end up with, it's just not good. So that's the second type. You would rather figure it out on your own than read the manual that's at the bottom of the box, than call the customer service number, then ask your wife if she understands, right? Come on. Some of you guys, God bless you if that's, if that's you. And then the third type of builder, which would be, I would probably be, well, I'm, I'm probably neither, but you've got the guy that the first thing you do before even opening the box is you read the outside of the box, you read the left side of the box, the bottom of the box, and then you open up the box, and then you thoroughly take your time to read every warning, every label, every instruction, every tip, every trick. You make sure your tools, that they say tools required, that you have those and you have an extra just in case. You Come on, how many of those guys... Right? Okay, we got some of those. I love you. You are the ones that I like to have do stuff for the church. Right? When we need volunteers. Those are, those are the guys that we like because we know it's going to get done usually right. Um, but so we talk about building, and again, there's a lot of fun in our personalities when it comes um, to building. But we're talking this morning about the house that God is building. Now, just to be just, you know, so we're all on the same page. We're not talking about a physical house this morning. Okay, and many of you, when you hear the word building, you grab onto your wallet because you think the next words out of my mouth are building project. Can I tell you this morning, I do not have the word 
project attached to the word building right now. So you can let go of your wallet for now, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right, but, but, but we hear these words building and our mind goes to a lot of different places. And so when we're talking about the house that God is building, we're talking about the local church. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. We are part of the house that God is building. Okay, we happen to meet in this great facility in Maple Valley that's beautiful and that God is doing great things through our physical building, but we're not talking about the physical building this morning. And here's what I want to say, and we're going to, this is just the intro message, and then the next seven weeks are going to be a reflection of this message, and we're going to talk about different ideas and different things that we believe that God wants to build here. But I'll say this, God is building something in America, something in our world that is very unique. You're pretty quiet. Would you agree with me? Okay. Because I look at what's going on in our nation right now, I look at what's going on in our world right now, and in my flesh and with my own eyes, I go, huh, this is some weird times we're living in. But in the middle of all the weirdness, in the middle of all the turmoil, I believe that God is building something unique and special, and I want to be a part of what God is building when he's talking about his local church. Do you? Come on, okay? I don't understand it all, but I know this. I want to be a part of the next move of God in America. And I want to be a part of the house that God is building. You know, there's this scripture in Isaiah 14, 27. It says this. And this is a prophecy about what is to come, okay? And they actually talk about Jesus, and they talk about the future reign, um, if you continue to read Isaiah 14. But it says this. The Lord of heaven's army has spoken. Who can change his plans when his hand is raised, who can stop him? So I have four sons, and we have a three and a, three and a almost four, three and a half year old. He's almost four. I'd say my three and a half year old is amazing, but when my three and a half year old knows what he wants, can I tell you? It feels like World War III to convince him otherwise. Right, parents, you, you agree with me? When, or, or how about this? Don't raise your hands, husbands or wives. But some of you married some very strong-willed people. Again, don't. You know, we can give the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You don't have to raise your hand. I, I, I'm looking at you. I, I know. I did too. When that strong-willed person knows what they want, how many of you know that it's like they're not going to stop till they get it? You know what I'm talking about? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, we all, we all, we all tracking. But I want to tell you this. God is building something unique in our nation. He has spoken. When his hand is raised, who can stop him? God is more determined, convinced, set on the plans that he has made and that's called his church. He is more determined than your strong-willed spouse. And when God has an idea, how many of you know that God is going to get his idea? Amen? So, and I believe this, that he is after a church. He is after a people that is going to cross denominational divides. 
I look at the Church of America right now, and there is a lot of divides, but I believe what God is building is something that is going to cross denominational divides. I believe the house that God is building is going to cross racial divides, and that's a hot topic right now in our nation. But I believe that when Jesus looks at his church, he may see different pockets of people that meet in different buildings, but at the end of the day, he sees one church. And they all come from different races, from different nations, from different backgrounds. And it doesn't matter where they come from. What matters is that they are focused on building the kingdom that God has for them to build. Amen? So here's the deal. We're building, right? We are all part of that something unique that God's talking about. There's a scripture in Psalms 127, verse 1. It says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Okay, this is a pretty popular scripture. And there's that word vain. Okay, that's the same word that we get vanity. Okay, oh yeah, you're so vain, vanity. Okay, it's a word that we don't want those words to be associated with us. If I'm correct, I don't think we do. Vanity is this. Vanity is building something that has no lasting substance or only has face value. Right? Have you ever, have you ever met someone and you think they're, they're about as deep as they look? <laughs> right? We've all met people like that. Well, this scripture says, hey, unless the Lord is the one building the house, if he, unless the Lord is the one calling the shots, then all that you and I are doing as building that is shallow, is skin deep, is not lasting, right? I tell you what, I don't want my name to be attached to anything that is known as being shallow, not lasting, and superficial. Oh yeah, sign me up. No, I want to be a part of the church that God's building, the church that builds generationally, the church that is building with longevity in mind, the church that is building something that long after we are gone will still be here for the next generation. Do you want to be a part of that type of church this morning? Come on. I tell you, I'm not interested in building a church that looks good from a distance, and then the closer you get, you go, huh, we should take a few more steps back so it looks good again. Right? That's not the type of church that I'm building. That's not the type of church that I believe God wants to build in America and in Maple Valley specifically. But God is after something. God has an idea. When he says, I want to build the church, he knows what he wants. Right? And remember the scripture we just read? And he's going to get what he wants. Okay? He knows. And he's going to get that. Listen, we are not just here gathering each week because we have nothing better to do. But I believe that we have the opportunity to come. And that we have the opportunity to gather and we get to be a part of something that God is doing in South King County. Right? When I come on Sunday mornings, I come usually with a spirit of faith, with a spirit of expectation that says, God, I can't wait to see what you want to do today. Right? There's sometimes I have to fight for that. It doesn't always come easy. But I am so just excited for where God wants to do in his local church. And I am honored to be a part of it. Okay, we are honored to be a part of what God is building today. 
You know, so you start, and I, and I spend a lot of time talking to other pastors, and one of the major themes, they're always talking about building God's church. That's kind of what we do. Um, and you always get two different extremes when you talk about building God's church. And, you know, I go to these pastors' conferences, and the idea is, God, how do we get people to, to, to connect with your heart? How do we get people to experience your presence, right? These are all the types of things. And I tell you, there's a lot of different ideas, if you've ever been to a church building conference, you get ideas a mile and a half long. Okay, but you always, I can, I, can, I can take those church builders and I can put them in two groups. And so this morning, I could probably take this group and I can separate you into two groups. And the first group would be this. I'll call this the cool guys church group. Okay, the cool guys church. And I don't know where I fit. I, I don't know if me and cool go hand in hand. But um, the first one is this. These are the guys that only want to focus on the superficial things. Right? They look at the church and all of their ideas and all of their changes. How do we make the church more relevant or cool so that people will come? Right? And we'll try these different things. And again, there is nothing wrong this morning with different strategies, different methods, different ideas. Because how many of you know what they did in their methods 2,000 years ago probably wouldn't work today because we got to wear shoes today. Okay? There's just a whole lot of things. So I'm not against methods, but what I am against is when our only idea, our only strategies are superficial things and they won't stand the test of time. Okay? I'm all for great sounding things. I'm all for great music. I'm all for things that are going to make the gospel easier. But if that's the only thing we have to offer, we've missed it. It's not about me wearing skinny jeans and fancy boots that's going to get people to Jesus. Now, if I want to wear skinny jeans and fancy boots, I can wear, I can wear skinny jeans and fancy boots. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with my flower shirt that my wife bought me. Woohoo! I don't know if it's the cool guy shirt, right? But the problem is when we talk about church building, we, we go to these extremes. And the first extreme is it's, it's all about the superficial things. Those are all important. Those all have their place, but they're not everything. Okay, and I know some of you are excited. And then I've got the second type, and I'll call this, I'll call this the false humility guy. You start talking about, well, God's going to build his church, and you go, pfft. We don't even need to talk about it, because if God, if God wants to do it, he's going to do it. But say no more. If God wants the church to grow, he's going to do it. I don't need to do anything. It's up to him for growth. Now, I hear this in a lot of circles. I hear this in a lot of religious circles. I hear this in a lot of people that like to sound really spiritual, but at the end of the day, they're probably covering up for a weakness in their own heart. They say, well, if God wants a good church, well, he's just going to do it. Can I tell you that that is so far from the truth, it's not even funny? Because here's what I know. God has already told us the type of church that he wants to build. God has already given us the blueprint. God has already given us the idea. God has said, I put my spirit inside of you. Now you go and you build the church that I'm dreaming of. Sorry, it's, it's a little too quiet for my liking, but I hear you. Listen, when we understand what God is building, his idea for us, 
is that we get busy building his church and advancing his kingdom. If we want to build with God, it's important that we understand the blueprints. Okay, if you've ever built, you have blueprints. I was going to bring some blueprints, but I forgot to bring some blueprints. If we understand the blueprint, we can get the building. We have the instructions. Listen, if we're going to build what God has for us, we have to have the blueprint, first off. We need to know how to read a blueprint. Listen, my wife, she, it would frustrate her to look at a blueprint. Why? Because she doesn't understand how to read it. And I only look like I understand. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. And then I'm like, I have no idea what that's supposed to be, but we'll just go with it. Okay? You have to know that you have to have the blueprint. You have to know how to use the blueprint. And number three, this is probably the hardest one, you have to use the blueprint. Right? You can't just, oh, I have it. Oh, I know how to use it. You have to actually use the model that God has given us if we want to build what he has. And I believe this, that God is looking for an Acts 2 church. And we've spent the last six weeks talking about Acts chapter 2, where God is looking for a church that is full of his word, that is full of different people with different tongues, with different backgrounds, centering around his teaching, breaking bread, praying together, and seeing a sense of signs, wonders, and miracles breaking out as we, as we gather. I believe that is the type of church that God wants to build in 2019 in Maple Valley. Amen? And that's the type of church that I want to be a part of. So we've got the blueprint, we've got the idea, we've seen what God wants, but we've got to build that type of church. You know, all throughout history, God has always been looking for a place for the people to encounter him. Okay, if you go back through the Bible, you can see God was always looking for a place, a place where he can say, this is my presence this is where my presence will be, and I want my presence to encounter people, okay? All throughout history, that's God's heart. I want to create a place for people to encounter my presence. Think about it. Back in the day, God has an encounter with Moses. He says, Moses, here's my heart. Here's what I have for my people. Now I want you to go, and I want you to build a tent, I want you to build the place, and here's how I want it. I want it these dimensions, and I want it with this. And in the center of it, I want my presence. Okay, and they had their, their stipulations. And so Moses went, and he built what God told him to build. But what was the heart? The purpose was so that people would encounter him. Okay, we, we go on a little bit. He, David comes along, King David, and, and, and David has a heart to encounter God, and God says to David, David, I want you to bring my presence with you, but I don't want you to do it the same way Moses did it. Okay, he says, I want you to take my presence, the, my ark, and I want you to move it around, and I want you to put it in a tent. And, but again, what's the purpose? The purpose is for people to encounter his presence. Okay, it looks different than Moses. How many of you know what we're doing today looks different than the church did 200 years ago? But the purpose is still the same. The purpose is that we would encounter and provide a place where people can encounter God's presence. 
Okay, so that's David. Okay, then Solomon comes along, a son of David. And God says, Solomon, I want you to take like eight and a half years. And I want you to build this temple. And it looked different than what David did. And it looked different than what Moses did. But what was the purpose? For people to encounter God's presence. Okay, we continue to go on. In the New Testament, they built a, a, a tabernacle in, in Jerusalem. Okay, Herod's temple. And it actually got torn down about 70 years after Jesus died. And the purpose of that was so that people would encounter God's presence. In Matthew 16, it says this. Because Jesus comes along. And I want you to get the scripture. It says this. Now I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Listen, the Bible says that you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit, that you and I are walking encounters, so that as we have relationship with people and encounter people, the idea is that they will be touched with the Spirit of God that is inside of us. Come on, I want to be one who, who enables encounters of God with everyone that I come into contact with. Okay, but Jesus goes on and he says, hey, pretty much he says, I am the rock. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Son of God. If you continue to read Matthew 16 and continue to read Matthew, he says, I'm going to build my church on me. On Jesus, now go and make disciples. Listen, we do not need anyone else's permission to build the church that God wants. Can I say that again? We do not need anyone else's permission to build what we've already been commissioned to do. Listen, Jesus said, I want you to go. This is, this is my church, now go do it. Listen, we don't need more revelation. We don't need a special season. God has already said, here's the blueprints of my church. Now would you go and do the work of the kingdom? Listen, we don't have to wait for building permits any longer, right? He's already said, here's my son, Jesus. Focus on him. Advance my kingdom. And you will have the church that I've dreamed of. Okay, we've got to understand in these days that they were truly building on a fresh foundation. Okay, everything's new. Jesus was the equalizer. Jesus came and everything that they had known was now different. It wasn't waste. It wasn't gone. It was different. Listen, Jesus wants to build something on a fresh foundation in our hearts that's centered around himself and his presence, and his nature. In Galatians 3.27, it says this. And this is the foundation. This is the fresh foundation that we're going to begin to lay over these next few weeks. It says, all who've been united with Christ in baptism have been put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're not talking about blurring gender lines. We're not talking about blurring um, racial lines. What he's saying is Jesus has come and Jesus unites mankind together. Okay? It is not about my background any longer. It is about solely on my relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Okay, and again, he's talking to a people that have been used to building off of some tradition and some history. And he's saying, hey, all, all, all that's fine, but it's about Jesus now. Amen? So, we're going to pick up our story in Acts, Acts 15. We've been talking about Acts for the last six or seven weeks. And we've got to understand what's going on in their culture. We have the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 falls on people. Okay, they are now speaking in other tongues. The Holy Spirit um, is adding people to the church. What, some 3,000 people are being added to the church. You've got to realize pretty much when you come to church on Sunday morning and you've got 3,000 people sitting in the row that you used to sit in. Okay, think about it. Come on, if you came to church and someone was sitting in your seat, you'd be like, you're sitting in my seat, bro. <laughs> Right, but so you've got three thousand people coming, and they are worshiping God. But in your head, you're going, "But you're not—you're not a Jewish person. You're a Gentile. You shouldn't be coming." Right? Again, we may not have those lines, but we have lines. Okay, so we've got this mess. We've got all these people coming, and the Jerusalem Council gathers together, and they're pretty much trying to figure this out: who gets out, who gets in, where do they sit? How do they worship? Again, you had Jewish men teaching Gentile men that in order to come to Jesus, they would have to be circumcised. Okay? Those were, the, you think we have issues, right? We ain't, we, ain't, we ain't there. We ain't near the issues where they're at. Okay? We've got tons and tons. Well, in order to come to Jesus, you got, so, so they meet. The leaders get together and they're talking. Who gets out? Who gets in? I want to say this, that our job as Christians is to not figure out who is out and who is in. Our job is to build the church, and he will move on the hearts of people. Come on. Our job is not to figure out who's out, who's in. Our job is to build the church. So this is where we pick up our story. So they're figuring this out, and they say this in Acts 15. And this is the council. Again, they're trying to, to figure out what do we do with all these crazies that are worshiping Jesus and speaking in other tongues. He says, why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Listen, today in 2019... We are all saved the same way, by undeserved grace. Everyone listen quietly, much like today, as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said this. He said, brothers, sisters, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. Listen, God is still after a people for himself. And this conversation of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, verse 16, Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those who I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who has made these things known so long ago, and so my judgment is this, that we should not make it difficult 
for the Gentiles who want to turn to God. Amen? Here's the reality. We tend to make it difficult. Right? Because we like to just make things difficult because it's in our fallen nature. Listen, there are burdens, there are yokes that religion and that church has put on people and they have been unable to carry those burdens. Why? Because they're not supposed to carry them. It's not part of God's design. So my question is, over your life, what yokes have snuck in? What theologies, what ideas, what burdens have you put on people that God's grace has not asked them to carry? Listen, I'll make it very clear, relationship with God does come with boundaries. Does come with things that I do and that I don't do because of my relationship, absolutely. But listen, not all the things that I've learned in church and that I've learned from organized religion, I'd say is part of God's plan. Their attempt in this passage to manage to judge and decide who's in and who's out it wasn't something they came up with. This was something that was prophesied 800 years before they met. Okay, in verse 16, this is what I believe God wants to build in 2019. Verse 16, we just read it. It says this, Afterward, I will return and I will restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles all those who I've called to be mine. Listen, Jesus didn't say, I'm rebuilding what Moses built. Jesus didn't say, I'm rebuilding what Solomon built. Okay, I got a picture of the original temple, just so you can see it, because we're visual people, right? This is like Solomon's temple, an idea of what it looked like, okay? God did not say, I am building this. Listen, there is nothing wrong with this. This original temple was God's design. It was God's idea. Every intricate part of the building process was part of God's plan, but God, didn't God is not coming to build that again. Okay, there is a reason for this. But God says, I am not building that, but I will have come to restore David's temple. Okay, and I, I did my, my drawing of David's temple. Okay, I did not Google this drawing. I created this with my PowerPoint skills, so be amazed. But God says, I am building this. That didn't go very well. I am building this. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I am building this because this is a picture of what God wants to build in 2019. In the middle is the ark. In the middle is God's presence. In the middle is him. And there's men and there's women. And the men have hats on. Not that we're going to wear hats. And they say, praise Jesus. Right? Again, I added that touch with my skills. Right? But the idea of what God is building is where there is his presence. It's in the middle. And as long as we are drawing close to God's presence, and as long as we keep his presence first and foremost, we will build the church that God has dreamed about building. Okay, it does not have these walls and these stipulations. It is his presence in us being changed by his presence. That is the type of church that God wants to build. Okay, here's how powerful this picture is. Worship team, come on up. I'm getting behind here. 
Jesus comes. Jesus dies on the cross, okay, 2,000 years ago. The moment he took his last breath, he cried out, it is finished. Miles away was the temple. At that very moment, the Bible says the earth shook. The veil, which the veil was as thick as my hands, the veil, which is like a curtain wall, was torn in two and it fell. Because the earth shook. Because Jesus said it is finished. Listen, the, the coming of Jesus changed everything. Okay, The veil represented the presence of God, where only certain people could go beyond the veil. So when Jesus come and said, it's finished, it means there is access to men, there is access to women, there is access to the qualified, there is access to the unqualified, the Jew, the gentle, anyone who wants to come and worship Jesus can encounter my presence. That is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Ephesians 2 says it this way, Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jew and the Gentile into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility. He did this by ending the system of law with commandments and regulations, but he made peace between the Jew and the Gentile by creating himself one new people from these two groups. Listen, when Jesus broke the wall, his statement was, I am building a church that does not have hostility. He removed the conflict, the opposition, the things that keep us from his presence. But here's what I know, and that is an act of God's grace. But what God's grace does, legalism always tries to rebuild. Would you stand up with me? What God's grace does, legalism always tries to rebuild. Listen, last week, Mark Cargill was here, and he laid out 12 atmospheres. Can you put those up for me? I want you to read those. An atmosphere of God's presence. An atmosphere of prayer. An atmosphere of truth. An atmosphere of generosity. An atmosphere of joy. Listen, this is all from Acts 2. This is the type of church that he wants to build in our midst today. Okay, and we're going to be looking over the next few weeks about the church that God is building. But here's what I know. As I said it earlier, what grace does, legalism will always try to rebuild. Okay, and after in the temple that the veil fell, historians believe that men tried to put the veil back up. Why? Because legalism will always try to build what grace has destroyed, what grace has torn down. So my question, as we look for the church that God is building, what burdens or extras have I put on people that grace has not? Come on, examine your heart today. Number two, what new foundation what is the new foundation that God wants to establish in my life about his church? Because I believe over this next six or seven weeks, as we look to the church God wants, there's going to be new walls that are going to be built in your life. 
What are those walls? What are those foundations that he wants to establish in your heart? And number three, and this is the hardest one for all of us, are there walls that have been built in your life that need to come down? Come on, are there those separations? Today in this room, as we conclude today, and we're not going to conclude with worship. We're just going to conclude with prayer. But there may be people in this room today that are far off from God. That have not been reunited with him like Galatians talks about. And today is the day that you can meet Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to meet Jesus. So if we would just bow your heads with me, close your eyes. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, if you're saying, you know, I feel far off from God and I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to have you raise your hand. No one's looking around. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And we may all have experienced Jesus already, but I just want to take a moment. Okay. And for us that have a relationship with Jesus, how many of you, by raising your hands, can say, hey, there's, there's walls that I've built up that I know that Jesus wants to tear down. How many of you can identify with that today? Come on, I see some hands. Yeah, there's walls. There's extras that we put on. How many of you, by a show of hands, say, God, I want to build the type of church that you want to build. And I want to commit these next seven weeks to be a part of that building process. Would you raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Yeah, many of us. So let's pray. Father, God, I thank you that you want to restore church. Father, where your presence is the focus, where your presence is in the center, and Father, where you invite all of us to come from different backgrounds, from different ideas, Father, men, women, different races. Father, you've invited all of us to come and be close to your presence. So God, I pray over our church, Generational Hope, over these next seven, six or seven weeks. Father, that you would reveal things in our hearts that have kept people from your presence. Father, that you would reveal burdens or extras that we've put on people that your grace has not. Father, I ask that you would tear down walls in our hearts that have been prohibiting people from experiencing you. And Father, I ask that you would build new walls. Father, would you build the foundations that you want to build in our hearts? Father, would we truly be the church that sees people changed in your presence? Father, you know our hearts and you see our desires. And Father, we commit, Father, to not trying to build things of old. Father, we don't want to build what you, what you did years and years ago. Father, we want to build with your heart and what you're saying and what you're speaking to us today. Father, thank you for giving us the blueprints. Thank you for showing us the way. And Father, I ask for your grace as we build the church that you've called us to build. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen? Come on, I'm excited. We're going to have a great seven weeks, six weeks. I don't even know how long it's going to be. 
Six or seven weeks, because I've said that like four times. But, but I'm just excited. I'm excited for what God wants to build. I hope you're going to be here. And as we just walk by God's grace and build what he wants to build. Well, for, for that, today, your release. We'll see you Thursday night at our Pursuit Night, 6.30. We'll see you next time.